When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. In the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And we are live on a Sunday night. A rare non-Ventline live edition of Purple Daily here on Score North. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff over there. We are, uh, I don't know, like 24, 27 hours removed from uh, the greatest comeback in the history of National Football League football. Some people have taken issue with the word greatest. Oh, it's it's the biggest comeback. It's oh. not the greatest comeback. Okay, you want to split that hair. Okay, yes, yes. The other Matt Ryan led meltdown, I guess. Tech, I guess technically, if you want to say the greatest, is probably the Super Bowl one. Mm-hmm. But uh, no one has ever been down by thirty-three points and won a professional football game in the National Football League before. So, biggest is fair. That's fine. Yeah. So, gr- greatest, biggest, whatever you want to yeah. call it, it was ridiculous. Um, this show is presented by our friends at TCL. One of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Uh, Judd, if you want to do the honors and crack a surly here live on Purple Daily, go ahead. Oh, well, if you insist, I will. I just, just have, has one, have one there. in my yeah. right here. Actually, I have two because, I mean, the show might go long. Uh, so, yeah, I will uh, crack a Logic Bomb, which is, of course, one of my favorite surly uh, beers. And then dirty. I will pour it mm-hmm. in my hockey hockey beer mug see the puck there huh, how about that so let's see we got it going i'm gonna look at that pour to make oh. Declan proud yep yeah. very good he insists on a good pour nice job and important. um oh. this is what it's all about folks so if you don't have a surly right now and you got one in the fridge go get one and join us we're about to have some fun yes we are uh so if you missed vikings vent line we we'll 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 well, tomorrow I think we'll do more of like the uh, the Judd angle, like Judd's Sunday experience or Saturday, I guess, experience, because you left the that game. We'll do yes. the autopsy. Okay. You left that game at halftime, not yep. because you wanted to, but because we convinced you to, hey, you can't do vent. We're going to start vent line at halftime. Yeah. The NFL prohibits live streams or broadcasts from the stadium yes. that aren't like, you know, Fox Network or CBS Network or NFL Network. And so the only way you can be a part of Ventline that starts at halftime, because people demanded, they wanted yeah. to vent about the 33 nothing deficit. Totally and Judd's it. like, yeah, I'm, I'll just, I'm going to leave. I'll go to the studio. You did the right thing at the moment for yep. the show. Yep. 
And I think people notice just like the look on your face as the Vikings continue to score, thinking, oh, my God, I just left a historical event. What did I do? How could I leave this football game? Or how could I have left? Yes. But it wasn't your fault. You you were being – both arms were being twisted by Declan, by me. We'll talk about um, it. We'll do more of that tomorrow. Amen. Today is going to be the, the normal autopsy episode. When the Vikings play, we give you uh, our hottest Vikings takes. We give you a pie chart, in this case, of praise. And we'll give you nitpicks to balance it out. So um, let's start with your hottest Vikings take. Judd, you want to do the honors here? Sure. I'll, I will um, kick us off, so to speak, okay. with my hottest Vikings take. So we all know that this was, as Patrick Royce wrote about in his column for Saturday, this was the 1,000th meaningful game in Vikings history. That includes 51 playoff games. So this is my hottest take. This dates to 1961. This was the Vikings' most memorable regular season win in their now 949 games played. Wow. Not, not their best performance, but when you consider all of the games, nearly 950 regular season games, and when you go through the litany of memorable games, and there have been a ton, the miracle at the Met in 80, uh, Randy Moss against the Packers as a rookie, in Green Bay, and then subsequently Thanksgiving Day in Dallas. We could run through a huge list. But I think when we look back on Vikings history, coming back, the biggest comeback from a deficit of 33 points in a game makes this in its totality, so not just a snapshot, the entire game now I believe is the most memorable game in Vikings regular season. That's an important thing to say here. History. That's my hot take. So you did a you did a pecking order on Mackie and Judd a few weeks ago after the Bills game, because the Bills game is also in that conversation. It, a month and a half ago, absolutely, one hundred percent is. But that was a seventeen point comeback, and it was memorable. This is one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen the Vikings play. The fact that they didn't quit and just played that horse bleep is incredible. Like ordinarily, if you're going to go down by. 33, you're going to lose by 42 because you just quit. They never quit. They were that bad. And they came back, and and when you put into context of the biggest comebacks, I believe, so so the game, the Oilers-Bills game was a playoff. I forget what the biggest comeback in the regular season was, but the Vikings' biggest comeback previous to this was the Tommy Kramer 1977 San Francisco game, which I think was like 28 points at Met Stadium, okay? Yeah. So, like, when you put it all together in the stew of memorable games, not memorable moments, but memorable games, 949 games in, I think this honestly takes the cake. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I'm trying to think of the other candidates. Like, the Bills game is in that mix. There's been a few others here and there. But the fact that this is this is not just like an iconic Minnesota game, where like Minnesotans and Vikings fans are going to remember. This is a game sort of like the Bills-Oilers game from 1992, the previous record holder for biggest comeback. That was a playoff game, so I get that doing it in the playoffs, like the Super Bowl-Tom Brady comeback and the the Frank Reich-Bills comeback, there's another level to doing it in the playoffs, but the fact that this will now be talked about as the largest comeback in NFL history, I don't know how it can't be the most memorable, memorable game. So it's a hot take, but like... I know it's hard. It's hard to fight it. it it's hard to fight the hot take. 
But I mean, I guess you could fight fight it by saying, "Well, the first half stunk, and it's not the most memorable to me." But I, I'm sorry, I I think the when first you half at, had to stink for exactly. any comeback, and the juxtaposition from being that bad again. Ordinarily, when you go down by thirty three, you've quit on your coach. Yeah, like that's uh okay. We're just checked out. They weren't. They were literally that bad. Yeah. No, it's uh. How do you feel, by the way? There's there's been a lot of so many comments on that Ventline episode because it, it started with let's just complain about the Vikings for the, for the entirety of the second half, mm-hmm. and Chancey and Fargo let us off with just an epic, one of the most memorable rants in the history of Ventline, you know, saying that only the Vikings get their asses kicked in this fashion. Like there's this there's a certain way the Vikings have when it comes to getting their asses kicked that no one else experiences. Um, and to go from people just kind of being out, like one guy came on and said he misses Mike Zimmer. <laughs> it was like the third caller. Yeah. And I so to go from like wanting to be out on your franchise to then coming full circle and being like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. Um, but, but with all the feedback and comments during the show and after, I, I saw a lot of people poking at Judd for adamantly suggesting the Vikings should have pulled their starters in the third quarter that you were yeah. like, you went on a little mini rant. You were apoplectic about Z- why, like this is foolish. What are they doing? Zedarius. I said, get Zedarius <laughs> out of there. Yeah. Look, I thought it was hopeless. I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I wouldn't have left when, when you guys first suggested I leave and it was 33 or at that time it was 30 points. Cause I think the last field goal by McLaughlin of the, of the second quarter was with eight seconds left. I thought for a brief moment, but what if they come back? And then he hit that field goal, and I'm like, they ain't coming back. Like, that was real time. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't give them a chance. I Into the fourth quarter, I thought, this is the most stupid, <laughs> yeah, meaningless rally I've ever seen. Yeah. Congrats on the garbage time, 400 I'm not going right? to change my tune. It's what I thought. But at like, some point, actually, Kirk, Kirk going yeah. from, like, being a garbage time master in that game, so great in garbage time that he turned it into an actual game and then went over the top. It was like the full Kirk Cousins experience. Oh yeah, where it's just like oh, the first half you're overwhelmed because there's right. pressure and all this stuff, uh, and then you start to take advantage of garbage time. But he has mastered the art of garbage time so much that he turned it into relevant time, and now he's mastered the art of the fourth quarter comeback so much that he has become this this god that if you're down by four touchdowns, it doesn't matter. Which actually segues into my hot take, but let's wrap Judd's real quick. I just thought that they had zero chance, and in real time, which which by the way, was great fun. In real time, I thought this is the most meaningless, pitiful comeback from what was one of the worst. I mean, let me be very clear. I've been watching football since 1978. That's one of the worst halves I've seen. Yeah. It was incompetence at its highest. This isn't, I am still uh, 24 hours after the fact. I am willing to admit fully, I'm still having problems wrapping my brain around this. Like it's not like I've well, got you, it. Yeah, in you contact. never. There's no nothing to compare it to. I mean, I but I don't have it in any. But it wasn't. You know, aside from aside from the Shandon Sullivan forward progress call, which should have probably given the Vikings a touchdown. It's not like that half was filled of. Well, I mean, they did have a lot of good chances. They didn't get luck. It was foot. It was incompetent football. And yeah. so to come back from that, uh, anything I said at that time, I stand by because it's how I felt. Okay, I've I've got one here. I, I want to tell you guys that I initially, and I tweeted out during the first half mm-hmm. to you guys that I had a hottest take already crafted. I did shelve that one because they were down thirty-three to nothing when I tweeted that. Put it in the freezer. 
But my initial hottest take, if the game would have ended the way the first half was going, was the Vikings should regret not hiring Jim Harbaugh as their head coach because oh. this would this would never happen under Jim Harbaugh. I'm, and I and, I'm, and I say that even like I still back Kevin O'Connell, but it would have made me kind of turn a side eye. Uh, so I'm glad that I got to put that one on the shelf. Here's my actual hottest Vikings take off the win. Kirk Cousins will now be remembered as one of the greatest fourth quarter comeback quarterbacks in NFL history. Wow. Wow. So let me throw some stuff at you guys. 33 point comeback. Largest. He's the architect of the largest comeback in NFL history. Yep. The last time a quarterback came down from a uh, came back from down 24 points was Kirk Cousins with the Washington Redskins at the time. Okay. And that was the you like that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like, like six years ago. You like that. Six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. He now also has seven fourth quarter comebacks in 2022. And according to stathead.com, he is now just one fourth quarter comeback shy of Matthew Stafford's single season NFL record of eight. In 2016, Stafford had eight. Only three guys have ever had seven. Kirk Cousins this year, Derek Carr in 2016, and Peyton Manning in 2009 with the Indianapolis Colts. Seven other quarterbacks have had six. 25 other quarterbacks have had five. So it becomes more common like to have four, five, or six. But when you get to seven fourth-quarter comebacks, only four guys in the history of the NFL have ever reached that threshold. And he is one off Matthew Stafford's record with wow. three games to go. So if wow. he if he ties Stafford, he'll be atop that list. And he is he like we talk about Frank Frank Reich is a household name for diehard NFL fans, not because like he held a clipboard well or because he was like this great NFL coach or whatever, because yeah. he was the quarterback of the greatest comeback or the biggest comeback in NFL history. So Kirk will be a name that sticks in your head because of his fourth quarter comeback prowess. What's funny though is we actually You like that! You like that! In like 2019 or 20, we started calling him all these nicknames, the fourth quarter Pharaoh, the secondary slayer, the dagger doctor, Mr. Game Winning Drive, right? I know this might come as a shock to some people, but we did that mockingly because he never did it. It was like once a year he would the oh, the Panthers are in town, and you're down by three in the fourth quarter, and that was his fourth quarter comeback. Yes. And so we did it as sort of like an encouraging, mocking, all right, guy, you're getting paid 30-plus million dollars. Once in a while, can you maybe bring your team back from the depths of defeat in the fourth quarter? He's now doing it every other week. <laughs> down by 17, down by 10, down by 33. It's ridiculous. They've won 10 like one-score games. Like They've that. won 10 one-score <laughs> games, and he's got seven, what, fourth-quarter game-winning comeback drives. It's incredible. And, yes, yeah. I, I think we started to mock him hard in 2020 when – do you recall that end-of-the-game drive at U.S. Bank Stadium against Carolina, and it was just pathetic? Yeah. They, like, went backwards. And it wasn't, of course, in typical Kirk fashion, it wasn't all Kirk's fault. But, like, they were clueless and were like, this is some of the worst quarterbacking we've seen. And I think, if I'm not mistaken now, uh, for the last two seasons, which aren't complete, but he's at something like 11 comeback drives. Because I think he had at least four last year. So he had three fourth-quarter comebacks last year, four game-winning drives. So there must have been, like, a a tie or something. No, there was the OT Carolina game. 
because it's okay. That's a that's yeah. not a fourth quarter game winning. So they drive. were winning in the fourth quarter. Carolina tied it, and then yes. he won it in the fourth or won, something. Yeah, he won it in OT to. Uh, I think he threw a touchdown pass to KJ Osborne. But he's like at eleven the last two years. It isn't here. Are, here are his fourth quarter comeback totals. He actually had four in two thousand sixteen, and then uh, the next few years he had one, 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 one again, three last year, seven this year, which I think warrants because you didn't have the flag access yesterday. Oh, we got flag access celebrating. Today. Today. The Dagger Doctor. There it is. Kirky McClutcherton. There it is, waving in the wind, uh, the gentle breeze of a Minneapolis St. Paul winter. <laughs> Kirk will be remembered as one of the great fourth quarter comeback architects of all time because of this season. I also saw, like, I saw Charchian, like, dunking on Kirk Caters today, like, these people that are like, we've stood by him the whole time. It's like, that's awesome, and that you have the right to do that. But if you can't see how different he is in some of these situations compared to, like, two, three, four years ago, and you're clowning on people that are like, oh, now you're seeing what we all saw. It's like, no, like, this, no, one, no one's ever seen this. He is in rarefied air when it comes to what he's doing in the fourth quarter, which is yeah. awesome. It's what people have been asking for since he signed the contract back in 2018. Full credit to him and Kevin O'Connell, by the way, for... The pie chart will spell out. out the exactly this because it's it's multi pronged. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right, Declan. What is your hottest Vikings take? All right, my hottest take. Ed Donatel's defense was the most important ingredient in a thirty-three point comeback win. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This yeah. is my second hot take. I put together three. Dex just hit on my second one. Oh, this is amazing. I, okay. He's not wrong. So. Let's go with this first stat, actually, which is a, it's a little nerdy, but let, let's go down this path. Expected points. So Ed Donatel's defense yesterday, the Vikings' defense, had an expected points of 10, of plus 10. That was the best mark of expected points they've had all season. And if you really remember, if you break this down here, all the points the Colts scored, one offensive touchdown. Yep. One offensive yeah. touchdown orchestrated by Matt Ryan, the offense. There was a special teams blunder. There actually was a couple special teams blunders. There was a scoop and score. There was plenty of points, but one offensive touchdown allowed. And that was on a short field, right? Wasn't that yes. one of the, the 30, like they took over like the 30? Yes, I think that was the second or third drive of the game. Yeah, because yeah, that was what made it 10 nothing. No, I'm sorry. That, the touchdown was a 66-yard drive, so I'm sorry. But, okay. yeah. but to give you context on how, how poor Donatel's expected points defense have been this season, in the Cowboys game, it was negative 24. In the Lions game, it was negative 19. In the uh, Eagles game, negative 14. Uh, Ed Donatel scooped up 10 expected points. It's the biggest one of the season. He also blitzed Matt Ryan at a 40.5% rate, which was the highest blitzing rate they've had all season. He unleashed yeah. the Duke of Shelley, who turned out to have a career day yesterday. Yep. They held the Colts to 170 passing yards, which was also a season low for them or for, for the Vikings for holding a team for, to that figure. So Ed Donatel's defense did its job yesterday. Red zone clamps over the last three weeks. The Vikings red zone defense ranks third in the NFL in terms of drives that have not resulted in touchdowns. Easy, Ed. The adjustments have been made, and Ed Donatel's defense was the most important ingredient 
in a 33-point comeback wow. win. I think let's, you're right. That's the scary it, thing. Let's go through some of this. So a bunch of field goals, whatever. Like, And some of these were short field field goals, right? They had Five field goals. They, they were held to five field goals. Yeah, early second quarter, they started two drives from the plus side of the field and kick field goals. Um, so they scored 36 total points. There was a block punt touchdown. So that, let's take seven off the board there. That brings you down to 29. And then they had the uh, the the pick six. That brings you down to 22. And so that's so they so the defense basically allowed 22 points, but but six of those points were the Colts starting in field goal range. Mm-hmm. So and you and you did your job and just held them to a field goal. And in terms of yardage, let's just go yards per play. The Vikings came in allowing six yards per play on the season, which was second worst in the NFL. Total yards, they were worst. Six yards per play. The Colts' offense averaged 4.3 yards per play. So it was statistically, if you would have told me, hey, the defense is going to give up 22 points, but six of those are going to be because the offense gambled and lost, and they're going to hold the Colts to 4.3 yards per play. Would you take it or leave? I think all of us would have said, wow, that's yes. Just whatever. Just take it yep. and see what the offense can do. Yep. And in fairness now, uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't play, which helped a lot, I think, because yeah. he's really, really good. And the Colts offensively, scoring-wise, are ordinarily terrible. That being said, though, keep in mind, and, and I am not Mr. Blame the Officials, but keep in mind the officials robbed the Vikings mm-hmm. of at least seven, if not 14 points. Shannon Sullivan arguably should have had two touchdowns. And so, so like, okay, repeat this performance. Like, like button it down now. Get pressure. But I think Declan's right. I think the biggest thing was, because if the defense goes in the toilet in the first half and you turn those uh, McLaughlin field goals into touchdowns, you ain't coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, wow, what a take. That's it's a great a take. take. It's, it's a good it's a it's great, a, it's a great I think it's take. spot on. I think it's a spot on hot take. I, I was I got yeah, some tweets take. saying that it was it's probably gonna be another classic Greg Joseph Declan victory lap and, and maybe stay tuned for a statement on Mackie and Judd with Greg Joseph, by the way. <laughs> well that's but, fine, but that but wouldn't be a hot take. This is a yeah, hot take. That one wasn't out of my yeah. holster. That was not the first bullet in the chamber. No. How far we've come. How far we come from like not from really knowing what a hot take was a couple months ago to just delivering flawless hot takes. It's great. Yep, exactly right. Amazing. Uh, so the, the, those are your hottest Vikings takes here on Purple Daily. Judd's pie chart of praise has been cooking for the last 24 hours. Just, yeah, just on all, 250 degrees, just low cooking that thing in the oven. Interesting. Overnight. Um, Need some ice cream too, Stella. Well, Stella's busy eating her Nutrisource, which is what she should be doing, because oh, that is the right. official dog food. And here's Maya Mackie for the YouTube audience. The official dog food of Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. If you're looking for perfect Tootsie Roll poops or close to it, great digestive health, and dogs that love and look forward to the meals that they eat, why don't you try Nutrisource? Yes, and Stells, I can guarantee you right now, Phil Mackie, she will wake me up at approximately 6.15 tomorrow and say, you know what, I want my Nutrisource, and I want it now, and then I want to go outside and I, when I come in, I want my training rewards treats because that's how I live. And, of course, because, you know, I'm a good pop-up, I will deliver those things. Nutrisource, though, is the, is the lifestyle that, that makes her pleased. And as I pop my second logic bomb here, it's wow. the lifestyle that makes me pleased.
he's pacing well here, folks. It's a, I, um... it's a Sunday night. I still can't comprehend what I saw. I saw the Patriots literally throw a game <laughs> away. Up is insane. down. Down what is up. That? Life what doesn't make doing? sense. I appreciate you all, but I need this beer. I, Patriots. I love the second beer. After a 30th birthday party, friends being in town, a company holiday party, a rare steak at Manny's, I am just sipping ginger ale. Like, I am in a – I'm not hungover, but I am – I. that's like three straight days of drinking, and and 30-year-old Declan – can't do that anymore. So this yep. is Sunday's been oh, like yeah. Yeah. for you, man. A lot of, lot of, lot of ginger ale. Right through. Can't yep. do it. Yeah. Pretty soon you're going to be in. I know you're still like a go out till midnight or one o'clock kind of a guy. But pretty soon you're going to appreciate the eight forty five. Oh, oh so Tucking ready. in a little, little, maybe a little nightcap, but it's going to be a different life for you now going forward. Now that you're in your thirties, he's right. All right, let's turn it over to Chef Judd here. Every week, if the Vikings win, we give you the pie chart of praise, and this will be the 11th variation. Now on Mackie and Judd. You wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praises. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, what do we got? How many slices are we talking about here? We got a lot of slices. Eight slices. What? Eight <laughs> slices, including one combined slice. Because, I, look, I mean... Think about the amount of plays in this game and and the amount of credit to be passed around through, you know, an entire team that comes back. I mean, plays terrible, but then comes back from 33 points down. Eight slices of pie. I will start at the smallest slice. Unprecedented. And you know what? I'm actually going to deliver a slice of pie here. And it's only going to be 1%. And it's not going to be to a player or a coach. It's going to be to the fans. The fans at U.S. Bank Stadium who booed the home team vociferously and, and were very upset, and rightfully so. But you know what? Unlike Chef Judd, a lot of them stuck around. A lot of them stuck around and and soaked in, celebrated, and were incredibly loud in a second half um, that could have been a, a, a death march. It could have been terrible. I'm going to give a 1% slice of pie to a fan base that I think did a pretty damn good job of supporting a team that for 30 minutes of football didn't deserve it. They got booed. They deserved it. But good on the fans. Great job. And that place when the game came to an end, <laughs> it sounded, since I, I wasn't there, it sounded like it was electric, awesome job by the fans. I think they deserve credit. Curious how many fans did leave Early halftime, maybe even like early third, because didn't the Vikings go three and out to start the second oh, half? Oh, it was terrible, yes. And then the Colts, yeah. Their first kind drive was like, I think it was like fourth and 18 by the time they punted. Yeah. The play-by-play guy on the flagship was um, looking for answers as I pulled into the lot to come upstairs to talk to you guys. He wasn't too happy? He wasn't too happy, but he wasn't devastated because it was so bad that I think he was throwing it to Pete Persich to try and figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> And then by the end, I'll give him that. And then by the end, he had an iconic call that will live for decades, I'm sure. That's awesome. So that's how it works. All right, so, so 1% of the fans. Yes. Uh, the next guy is going to get a 2% slice of pie, and it is a player. And he had a really good game. But more importantly, um, after watching Kevin O'Connell's post-game press conference, this is more based on what he did. 2% goes to Patrick Peterson. Hmm. Kevin O'Connell talked about post-game he said that Peterson went up to the offensive group at halftime and said, we will hold them. All you need is five touchdowns. And That's you, all. And, yeah. And, and you can do that. Haven't scored it all yet today. You just yes. need five touchdowns. And you can do that. 
it's he said something along the lines of that is very doable. Go out and do it. We will hold them. Um, it sounds really stupid, but sports are weird. And I mean, that's a that halftime more so than like adjustments, right? Like a close game, I'm going to adjust things, which I'm sure can be important. But in this case, like the mental state there is incredibly important because if everyone's like F it, that, then it's over. So Patrick Peterson, 2% for being the veteran who went to the offense. And it doesn't sound like he was a jerk at all. He just basically said, this is what we, this is what we'll do. This is what you need to do. And we can come back. That's and a they pretty probably, cool thing. Yeah. And because it, it like Declan's hot take, it wasn't like the defense gave up 33 points. Correct. The defense actually probably felt like, all right, well, let's take away the two, uh, the two non-defensive touchdowns, and then the two short fields in which we actually won because we held them. They started on the 30-yard line or whatever, and then we were the ones that held them. So, oddly enough, the defense, down 33 to nothing, actually probably felt pretty good about itself yep. as they were coming out. Yep. I'm not sure if I would have bet that they would hold the, the Colts to three points in the second half in overtime, but Patrick Peterson providing some inspiration. Exactly right. Exactly right. So he gets 2%. All right, the next very small piece goes to a guy that Declan Goff knows and loves. 3% goes to Greg Joseph. Four extra points, the winning field goal. But, you know, in some ways, I feel like the four extra points was probably tougher because the field goal he he hit, he hits. Like, that's not a big, like, oh, my God, he can't hit that. Yeah. Uh, now, they clearly didn't trust him. I think it was at the end of the game when they actually punted. Uh, with what would, if I'm not mistaken, what would have been like a 53 yard attempt. But anyway, the extra points have been an issue. They have been a bugaboo. They have been a problem. And he made them all do your job, right? That's the motto. He did his job. He gets a 3% slice because we have seen him struggle there. Greg Joseph. Good job. Greg, the leg nails. Yeah. Cause if nails. he misses any of the extra points, it just, it, it changes the game flow. You needed a two-point conversion to begin with, and so yep. could you have converted another one if he misses an extra point? Any missed extra point leaves the Vikings susceptible to whiffing on a two-point conversion and not having enough time left. So I agree with you on the extra point. I mean, the, the field goal was clutch, but at the end of the day, if he misses the field goal, they still clinch the division, Yes, and they still came back from down by 33 points to tie a game. Yep. So, um, yeah, interestingly enough, the extra points might have been the more the more clutch things that he did all right the next slice goes up to 10 percent as we go through the eight slices of pie here and it goes to i was trying to think of a defensive player i was looking at the stats and i was looking at things and and i'm gonna admit i'm gonna admit to something here it's not i'm not proud of but i i sort of cheated i saw the pff grades oh you killed one of our segments i did i did and i'm sorry about that now i have forgotten most of what i saw because I'm old, but the one thing I saw is a 10% piece of pie is going to go to Duke, 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 of Shell, 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 Duke, 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 Shell, Duke, 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 he broke up two passes. He gave up only two catches on sixteen or on six targets, excuse me, for fifteen yards. I was trying to find somebody to sort of support as a defensive stalwart. 
and Duke Shelley stepping in for Dantzler. And remember, I mean, this guy was a non-factor six yeah. weeks ago. Duke Shelley gets a 10% chunk of pie. What a great job. But, I mean, this is how you win games with players in training camp that you either think have no chance or aren't even there. Duke Shelley, 10%. I'm a fan of his work so far this year. I'm a and fan of his work. Game. He was drafted by the Bears. He, was, yep. he wasn't like he's just off the streets. Like He was a six-round draft pick. Um, he played Power 5 college football, Kansas State. So, like, he's played some relatively big college football games. Uh, and he's been he's been in and around the league since 2019. So it's not like he's just some slappy. Like, you know, he's a professional football player. And he has stepped in when they needed depth. And you're right. Like, he, it's become kind of, like, first it was tongue-in-cheek, like, you know, Shelly Island. Uh, but he has been one of their more reliable <laughs> cornerbacks in the last month. He has. We're he's always been making good. fun of guys. And then we have to, like, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we managed Shelly Island. <laughs> On the season... So he had a great grade in that game. He's played now in uh, six games on the season. He got like just a few snaps here and there in weeks 10 and 11 against Buffalo and Dallas. But he's been very much integrated the last month. His grade on the season is 71 out of 100 pro football focus. He's been an above average cornerback for the 217 snaps he has played. Uh, When he's targeted this season, quarterbacks have a 77.1 passer rating. He has six pass breakups in 24 targets, only a 54% completion percentage against. So he's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. Yeah. Duke yeah. Shelley. I think he's like one bad game. And I think besides that, he's either been solid or good. So yeah. Yeah. Duke Shelley, 10%. Okay. okay, the next one is a 14% chunk because I did want to give it the 1% chunk to the fans. So I I shaved this a little bit off here, but 14% goes to Dalvin Cook. Now, he loses some for the fumble. The fumble was killer because Dalvin, yeah. it was a second big run, and it was looking like things were going great. And, and that fumble is really the poster child for that entire first half, which was just crap. But he had, in the end, 17 carries for 95 yards. More importantly, probably, four catches for... 90-plus yards, and on the screen pass, as we saw it on on Ventline Live, a 64-yard touchdown that brought the Vikings within the two, which they then got. Dalvin Cook, I mean, the screen game's been a mess. Dalvin has been um, underwhelming compared to what I thought he was going to be in the passing game period, and that play was was absolutely the essence of what I thought we would see more from Cook, so... The next one, Dalvin Cook at fourteen percent. Yeah, that was a that was a brilliantly designed screen pass. It kind of felt too like I, I feel like some of the screens they throw behind the line of scrimmage just blow up. But that one, I think that one was in front of the line of scrimmage, and the offensive lineman just like got out. It Cleveland was. got Ezra it Cleveland was. basically followed him for sixty yards. He or almost whatever. tripped him. Yes, towards the goal line, he almost tripped him. He was trying to he was trying to get between Dalvin and the last couple defenders, but they kind of ran into each other, and so he just like grabbed him. <laughs> Yep. And chauffeured him toward the end zone. And, uh, you know, Dalvin doesn't have the same burners as maybe he did a couple years ago, but he got down there around the 20-yard line, and then the defense caught up. And then from there, it was just like, find a way. Just find a way for the last 20 yards to hide behind Ezra Cleveland or break a tackle. And and he did. And it was just, it was the play that that essentially completed the comeback. There were a couple you know, of great Two-point conversion too. pending. I think he cut around a guy around the 12 or the 10. That was a really nice cut as well. 
Yeah. All right. So Dalvin Cook got 14%. Now the last three chunks are a bit more on the meaty side. 20% is going to be split between Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne, who both had enormous receiving games. Osborne, 10 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. Um, this was, in my opinion, the game in which we have transitioned to him being the threat as the Vikings' number two receiver. And Thielen takes the back seat to still be a very important part, but K.J. Osborne showed his explosiveness, and the Vikings desperately need a number two receiver that's explosive. Jefferson, no surprise, 12 catches, 123 yards, a touchdown, took an absolute bleeping pounding. A pounding from the Colts got up every single stinking time um, and and continued to contribute uh, as he continues, in my opinion, to have a season that puts him in the MVP debate. He won't be, but he should be. So 20%, I'm just going to split it because those two guys were enormous in the receiving game. Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne. Maybe a conversation in depth for another day, but how much of this was a sign that K.J. Osborne I'm not saying he's going to have 170 yards every game, but that like he's capable of doing stuff like this more often. I was kind of just, I've been really disappointed in him because dude, it's there for the taking. There's not really like Thielen is kind of coming down the age cliff. And, and so I don't know if he's just not getting opportunities or what, but he's on the field on a regular basis. Why have we not seen another game or two of explosion? So is this just kind of a a pop-up blip or do you think this is something that, is he's reached a new level now, and okay, now all of a sudden you're going to see more K.J. Osborne games. I think that this is a clear indication that he can do this, and I think that, so I assumed he wasn't being used more because they didn't trust him and like him as much as I thought that they should, but, like, I defer to them. They're they're offensive experts. Um, I think after what we saw and the fact that he can get yak, the fact that he can make plays, uh, this is what I expected at the start of the season from him. Uh, I guess I was putting that on him, but now when he's used like this, he came through. I mean, he's not going to be perfect every single time, but we have now come to a point where Adam Thielen can't run. Yeah. So I, I think if you want to make a playoff run, if you want to have a chance, I think your clear-cut pecking order of receivers needs to be Justin, KJ, and Thielen all used in the correct way. But let's make no mistake here. Justin, KJ, and when he catches the ball, Hawkinson are bigger threats with the ball in their hands than Thielen is. And I don't think it's particularly close. Once Adam has the ball, that's pretty much game, set, match. Yeah. And Adam still has a ton of value catching the ball in certain instances. First down, um, deep red area, right? There's like, yeah, deep red area. That's where I said it. I said it. All right, so that's uh, that's six. We're, we have two slices yep. to go if my math is you are correct. correct. You are correct. Okay. All right, another 20% slice of pie before we get to the guy atop this list goes to head coach Kevin O'Connell. Uh, none of this is possible. That comeback, 10-1 score wins. Um, the belief this team has, the fact that they're down by 33 and didn't quit. I mean, I, I, my opinion is the majority of teams down 33, the majority of teams down 20 quit. Yeah. Um, which, which is why we were always like, the Broncos come back. Remember that? Because that's a game where ordinarily teams quit and the Vikings didn't that day. Um, none of this is possible. None of what we've seen is possible without Kevin O'Connell's 
culture and systematic belief of what this team can do. And if you have not seen his post game again, because those are always really good, you got to go watch it. When he tells this team he loves them and he can barely say it because he's legitimately on the verge of tears, it is freaking outstanding. Yeah, and it's cra- not cracked at one point, and and they just like filled the silence with a standing ovation for him. I think they said he's about to cry, and, and he yeah. was, and that's awesome. But yeah. um, none of this, none of what we have seen, you don't come back, you don't win 10 one-score games without a really good coach from a mental standpoint. You don't. It's so, it's so weird because you can tell he is equally frustrated by them falling behind in these games yeah. and them not putting together a complete game. I mean, they're literally 11-3, and three. And they've yet to put together anything resembling a complete game. You know, even the Packers win at the beginning of the year. It was a complete first half, and then they stopped scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, the Patriots game, there's some leaks in there. And so he is he is very, very frustrated, you can tell, by them being this far into the season and still having some of these major leaks. Uh, but equally happy and proud that this team just fights. And one of the things he said, and we can maybe play this clip for tomorrow's show, but... Um, he said, uh, you know, his voice was cracking, and he said, you know, I will effing ride with this crew until they stop letting us play effing games. And the like, F-bomb you know, was back, too, which yeah. I love. Use the <laughs> F-bomb more, baby. Casually mixing the F-bomb gets, gets people excited. He's a dynamic speaker, but that was awesome. Yes. All right, so that leaves us at 70% if you are doing the math at home, and I, if you are, I appreciate that. 30%, the final chunk of pie, the biggest chunk of pie goes to, no surprise, Kirk Cousins, okay? This was what he did in the second half, and I don't think I've ever combined these before. We've talked about this, but I don't think I've I've ever personally combined these. What he did in the second half was an MVP performance. What That is what an yeah. M- MVP does. You are dead. You look bad. You're having a struggling day. Now, are you the... F- are you solely at fault? No, but you don't look good. And that's where we all roll our eyes and say, okay, Kirk's Kirking. You end up with 460 yards and four touchdowns. You have two picks, which are both on one receiver, uh, including a pick six. In the first half, Kirk Cousins, just to put this into context, Kirk Cousins was six of 12 for 43 yards with a pick, which was the pick six. In the second half, he was 28 of 42 for 417 yards. This is one half. 417 yards with four touchdowns and a a pick. And Rager was at fault for both picks. Um, So when you consider that, like when we say, what do you want from a quarterback? Because not every game is going to be perfection. You're not going to put four quarters together. I'd like you to, but you're not. But, But what he did in that second half was what MVPs do. I agree. I I mean, no other way to describe it, in my opinion. It is, yeah. I think the things that we have asked for for years, it's not perfection. It's not three hours of stats. It's none of that stuff. I mean, that's not, and you, you do need to put up some semblance of statistical, uh, like you, you have to put up numbers to produce points. And like, I get there's a certain, you can't just be Tim Tebow out there, you know, from 10 years ago. But at a certain point, it's less about what are the stats, and like, you could have, you could have not even told me the stats. What I'm interested in is if the game has gone sideways, whether you have been playing poorly or not, whoever's fault it is, the game has gone sideways. Are you going to be able to take a deep breath and say, "All right, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen anymore. I'm going to start 
making some plays for us. I'm going to overcome the adversity. I'm going to rise above the pressure. Like how many episodes have we done the last three years on that exact topic? And that's what he did again for like the seventh time this season, although this was the the historical one. So that's like, I'm not saying he is the MVP because I think Patrick Mahomes and a couple other guys are going to run away with that, Jalen Hurts, but it's the type of thing that you look for from an MVP candidate. It's the ability to dig your team out of a hole. Yep. And for the first time in his career, people always point to like, well, what about the Broncos game? Well, there was the Saints playoff game. And it's like, yes, those are great. But if you open your eyes and watch the best quarterbacks in the league, they are doing it on a regular basis. It's like, oh, God, here we go again. We're in a close game. I got to dig my team out of a hole here, or I'm gonna. I got to put together a drive, or man, we're down by double digits in the second half. Like it is a regular part of your job description right. if you want to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he is doing it all the time now this season. I think the most complimentary thing that I can say is this is the first year, in my opinion, that he has lived up to the contract in full. Yeah, like I'm not going to complain about it because he's giving you the things that you need. Like you, right. You, you pay a guy that much money because he has a huge influence touching the ball in every play yep. when you need it the most. I just saw someone comment on the YouTube channel. He didn't do it all by himself, just like when they lose. Agreed. And that's a misperception here. People think, like, you guys blame Kirk for – obviously football is a team sport to a certain extent, but the quarterback has the most influence on wins and losses of any player in the league. And he lifted and him so, up. He lifted him up again. Yep. Like, like, you don't win that game – the stats I read in the second half are stupid. Those are ridiculous stats. And yes. and I know the Colts aren't that great a team. I don't care in this case. It's Kirk Cousins has done everything that I wanted him to do as far as that contract goes. Because that contract comes with a lot of baggage, a lot of weight. It's difficult. I understand all that. But you know what? I want you to win. And what I loved about yesterday, too, is in real time, at least from my perspective, I was saying, here come the stats. He's going to put up stats, and it's going to mean nothing. And you know what he did? He took it and shoved it where the sun don't shine on me, and good for you. He did all those things, but then he just kept going and going but, but I'm saying, and going, and he turned it into a non-garbage time situation. But the you know, the the so old Kirk, old Kirk, the, my guess is that the screen pass to Cook does not materialize and or for sure they don't get the two points. Yeah. So yep. good for him. MVP yep. type of performance. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, if, again, if you're going to pay, he's the third highest paid player in the NFL to the salary cap. And so if you're talking about a guy that's going to make that much money, the, you know, the only two guys above him right now are Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill, Tannehill and Kirk probably, like, going into the season don't belong in that rarefied air. Right. But if I'm going to pay a guy that big of a percentage of my 53-man roster salary cap, What's the number one thing I need? Like, I need overall productivity. I need leadership. But ultimately, I need you to be the fixer. We're going to yes. have different leaks. We're, the, the Because of your contract, the roster is not going to be perfect. Yes. There's going to be that. things that go wrong. And so if you're going to make that big of a percentage of the team's salary cap, I need you to fix things when we need you. We're going to call on you down by double digits to bail us out, please. And for so many years, people felt uncomfortable with that notion. Like, whoa, it's not his. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. But at the end of the day, like, you're going to live and die by how your quarterback performs when he's making that much of a percentage of your salary cap. And this year, he is 
he's been worth it. He's and, been worth it. And that is largely a credit to KOC. Like, I mean, that that's the fundamental change. The fundamental change is KOC has has told Kirk, has empowered Kirk, has told Kirk, you might screw up, but I just don't care. Yeah. Um, and look, I think that they still exchange words at times. I think that there's frustration at times. But, but you know, I, I mean, it's funny because I think there's, I think people don't understand how important in sports the relationships are. Like, they look at the stats and stuff, and that's great. And I don't blame you for that. But I don't think people understand the basic fundamental need to feel accepted by some, to feel like they're incorporated, included. Yeah. And, you know, I I think, Phil, it amazed both of us for a long time that it was very clear that the head coach and the quarterback had no relationship. Yep. And that's huge. And now these guys are and, – and, and the thing I love is Kirk's – until the last two games – Kirk's season is so interesting because his stats are down. They're not great. And Kevin doesn't care because Kevin doesn't want stats. Kevin wants wins. And if they come with stats, awesome. But if they don't, that's okay too. Yeah. It also needs, you don't win a game like that down by 33 points or even held down by 20 points if it feels like it's just a job. And that's where Kevin O'Connell has come in here. Like there's a lot of teams in the NFL that you get to December. Or even, you, you know, you just kind of go into a season and you know that, like, well, we're all playing. Like, we're definitely playing for a paycheck and we're definitely playing to put good film out there because we want to get another contract and stuff. But we're getting our asses kicked today. So, that's eh, just not our day. Whatever. I'm going to. Yeah. And the Vikings don't feel that way. The Vikings feel like they're playing for each other. They're playing for something beyond just clocking in, clocking out. And um, Kevin O'Connell is a is a huge reason for that. Amen. So, Eight slices, 30% Kirk Cousins. This is Judd's pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. 20% Kevin O'Connell, 20% to JJ and KJ, 14% Dalvin Cook, 10% Shelly Island, 3% Greg the Leg, 2% Patrick Peterson's halftime pep talk, and 1% to the fans. The fans, unlike Judd, who didn't leave stuck early, around. who stuck around Good for, you. for that game. Right there. Wave the flag. There it is. <laughs> Amazing. So I think we should save our, our, so we do have nitpicks, but I think we should just save those for tomorrow's episode. I like if you that. guys are now, we're 50 minutes yeah. into this thing and yeah, it was great. Piece together a, a Monday episode. So no, no pieces of pie though. Ed Donatel. Um, I could have given him one. I, I, you know what? I probably should have. But Shelly Island, man. Shelly Island came out of um I, I think we should talk about perhaps tomorrow about the defense though and what changed. Uh I have not gone back and watched the game. I have seen on Twitter that starting it in the third quarter, they played way more four three. Hmm. Um and I would I need to go back and watch that because that would make sense. Um it's no coincidence that in all of these, I don't know if you call them necessarily changes, but fundamental differences, it's no coincidence that Daniil Hunter had a very good game. Yeah, he led the Vikings in pressures sack in that game half. yesterday. He was credited with a sack and a half, or PFF has him at two sacks, three hits, five total pressures. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Zadarius was kind of meh in that game. But, yeah, I mean, Daniil was the biggest force. For the Vikings in that game. But I don't think that was an accident. 
Interesting. Like that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And if that's a four three, that's fine. I think we get too caught up in what do you play and how do you execute it? How do you make your best players your best players? I think it's a very simple question. Yeah. There's also somebody brought up the Ed Donatel. I think it was Declan, the pressure rate, mm-hmm. the amount of times they put pressure on Matt Ryan or blitzed Matt yeah, Ryan, I guess. Yeah, there's blitzed. some there's some meat on that bone for sure, too. The effectiveness of it, let's just say, is worth Eddie. talking about tomorrow. So, all right, boys, we've we've had uh, 24 hours to process the biggest comeback in NFL history. I'm not Ooh. sure we have fully processed it, but that was your pie chart and your hottest takes. A lot of this this live edition, Judd. Pie. Did you finish that second, uh, Surly? Uh, let me see here. I don't think I'm completely done. With... No, nope, I still got about half left in the can. Here. Okay, pour, just drink responsibly. Responsibly, well, I'm not driving. I just have to wake up by tomorrow's show. Yeah, well, I'm down to a one car family now, so you might be picking me up on Tuesday. So I'll, I'll let you know if that's an issue. Declan sounds like a good time for Declan to get car endorsements. Yeah, also like. yeah, Declan here. Declan here for whatever you want to have me drive. Yeah. Declan here for Pinto. Very amazing. Car. Declan here for hitchhiking. That's hitchhiking.com. <laughs> hitchhiking. I go to university and then I just stick my thumb out. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this, uh, this rare live edition of purple daily, please click subscribe and the like button on the purple daily YouTube channel. And if you haven't checked out Vikings vent line, we've got the, the full three and a half hour edition that started with a gripe session in the live tab on the purple daily YouTube channel. And then we, uh, we have the condensed version of, just starting with the actual um, game winner and then going forward. So check that out. And if you want to see uh, our guy, AJ Fredrickson, one of our producers here at score North and 15 Hardy ESPN uh, on my Twitter account at Phil Mackey, I put out the video edit that he made. It's like a two minute condensed oh, version of the three and a half hours so of Chansey and Fargo, just going apoplectic to the end where we are calling a Vikings victory Uh, this historic victory. So thanks again for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys daily Vikings entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. See ya. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great because the only thing I care about more than football is spicy pepperoni pizza for kickoff. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. Now that's a spicy offer. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at $9.99 each month starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply.